It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. You can follow the show on Twitter at LOTHUNDERPOD. Email the show, LOTHUNDERPOD at gmail.com. You can call into the show, 405-362-7128. On today's show, we're going to dive into the Reddit mailbag and answer your questions. We're also going to preview what would be an emotional New Year's Eve matchup as it sees Stephen Adams returning to Oklahoma City as a member of the New Orleans Pelicans. But we start with some quick news and notes. Number one, Oklahoma City has picked up the options of Ty Jerome, SGA, and Therius Baisley. This happened earlier this week. No surprises here. Two of the three guys with, with Shea and Baisley are solidified building blocks and guys you want for your future. And then Ty Jerome, you're going to have to fill a roster spot, and Ty Jerome has NBA potential and he is a former first-round pick, you might as well see what you have in Ty Jerome. Uh, Now, we also found out the approved restaurants in Oklahoma City. If you do not know that the NBA is going city by city and approving restaurants that these players and teams can go to whenever they're in town. And for the Thunder, they can, you know, of course, go to these restaurants as well every single day. In Oklahoma City, these teams can go to Barrios Fine Mexican Dishes. They can go to Broadway 10 Bar and Chop House. They can go to Charleston Restaurant. Shout out Billy Donovan at Charleston. They can go to Mahogany Prime Steakhouse. And they can also go to the Jones Assembly, one of my personal favorites. It is the Jones Assembly, number five. That's one of my personal favorites in Oklahoma City. I love the Jones Assembly. Not sponsored, but would gladly be sponsored by the Jones Assembly if I could. Tag them on Twitter for me every single day, telling them to come sponsor Locked on Thunder, the only daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder. 
But I love the Jones Assembly, and I'm glad it's on the approved restaurants in Oklahoma City for these NBA teams to go to. But I want to dive into the Reddit mailbag. You guys delivered some amazing questions, and I want to talk about each and every one of them. This first question comes from Thunder3029, and they ask, What's more likely, Shea wins most improved player, or Lou Dort is all defensive second team? Now, I'm assuming that you that you are going to include Lou Dort if he makes first team defensively, uh, but in the sense of more likely... You would have to assume the more likely option here, although Shea is the favorite to win the MIP award, is actually Lou Dort because he has more chances, right? I mean, if you want to do first and second team, all defensive teams, there's four guard options there for him. And could you classify him as a forward as well? Could, could he then double his odds to get this achievement? Who knows? And with Shea, there's only one MIP award. So anytime there's one of one thing and then possibly four or eight of another, the odds say Lou Dort uh, becoming an all-defensive player this year are are really likely. I mean, because Lou Dort had that bubble experience where he just had a breakout in the bubble, even national people talking about Lou Dort. So he, he broke out there and was able to make a name for himself by shutting down James Harden. This year, he's already shut down Donovan Mitchell. And even if this team is, is going to be bad record-wise, then if Lou Dort every single night consistently is still locking up James Harden and, and Donovan Mitchells of the world and, and players of that elk, Damian Lillard, players like that, if he's doing that night in and night out, then he should get all defensive honors. And really, I think that what works with Lou Dort here and why I think it might be more likely, even as Shea is the favorite betting-wise to win MIP, what might work in Dort's favor is a lot of the times whenever you're voting on all defensive teams, um, you give the benefit of the doubt to the record, right? Like if SGA has a really good season and SGA is just amazing and he takes that leap, which so far through three games, SGA has taken a big leap here. But if Michael Porter Jr. also has that leap in productivity stat wise, and he's on the fifth place or fourth place or third place nuggets and, and Shea is on the last place thunder, then you could see the vote get skewed. Whereas whenever people are filling out their, their all defensive teams, Lou Dort is going to come to mind immediately and you're going to plug him in there and not even look at the record, not even care about the record because he's simply a really good defender. And that with all defensive teams, voters typically only look at defense and their defensive ability and they don't even think about the team success. But with MIP, I think that, that, that you're going to have a, a subsection of voters who take into account team success, which could work against SGA in that category. Uh, I think it's a good question. I guess right now you'd still need to take Shea because he is that that betting favorite, but it's close to me. This next question comes from Deej Pro 11 Likely landing spots for Hill, Ariza, Muscala, Miller, and I believe you meant Horford because you put Ariza twice, but Horford would be the likely option here of what you meant, so I'm going to assume you meant Horford. They also have another question. If Oklahoma City uh, had to give an offer sheet to a restricted free agent this offseason, who would you give it to? Would it be Laurie Markadon? Would it be Alonzo Ball? Would it be uh, John Collins or someone else? And to your first question, a lot harder right now to say landing spots, you know, but I will say who I think is likely to get traded and in what order. I think that number one with the bullet is George Hill. George Hill is absolutely getting traded this year uh, and, and before the deadline. He's absolutely gone. Uh, he's playing too well. Uh, he is just in prime position to be dealt. Uh, I think that Mike Muscala is playing really well right now, and a team can grab him for a second-round pick, and that's a heck of an upgrade. 
know, for the cost of a second round pick, you might as well grab a Mike Muscala. So I put him number two. Number three, I have Trevor Reza. I think that we kind of overvalue Trevor Reza a little bit. I mean, we, we kind of look at him as the same light as we looked at Andre Godala last uh, you know last season with the Grizzlies fiasco. Uh, same situation. Ariza's not here. He's not playing. But the last time we saw Ariza play, he was not very good. And I don't think that uh, that has changed much. And he's also not playing basketball. I don't think that teams would be beating down the door to get Trevor Ariza. Now, what he could do is he could provide uh, salary to make a trade work, right, to, to facilitate a trade for Oklahoma City. I do think Ariza is, is traded, uh, but I don't think it's just some asset for Ariza. I think that he is a, a contract or a sweetener to make something else happen for Oklahoma City. That's why I have him at three. Number four, I have Darius Miller on this list because, frankly, I don't see Al Horford being dealt in season. His contract is too big. It is too hard to work out those numbers. It's the same thing that we saw with Chris Paul last year. He's not going to get dealt until the offseason. You just you really can't even do it uh, realistically. You, you cannot trade Al Horford in season. So for a realistic package anyway. So I don't see him getting traded. And, and Darius Miller, maybe if he has a couple nights here whenever uh, he becomes the Isaiah Roby, right? I mean, the Thunder are about to enter a January where they're playing, it feels like, every single day. I know that they're not actually playing every single day, but it feels that way. You're going to see Al Horford sit. You're going to see George Hill sit. And at that point, you're going to be in line for another... Isaiah Roby type game. It doesn't have to come from Isaiah Roby. It can come from anyone. It could have. It could have came from Justin Jackson yesterday. Someone has to score these points, and somebody has to, you know, eat up these minutes. And it could be Darius Miller the next time that the veterans set out. It could be Justin Jackson the next time the veterans set out. It could be a, a plethora of people the next time the veterans set out. Uh, it doesn't have to be Isaiah Roby, although I think it probably will be. Who knows? I think Miller and Horford are the two least likely to get dealt. Uh, Miller maybe. I mean, just if he can actually get on the floor and play and show he's healthy, maybe someone take a shot at that three-point shooting ability. Uh, you might as well for what I think would be a nothing package in return to Oklahoma City. Uh, but at that point, kind of just making trades to make trades, so I can't really predict that something will happen. I think that right now the only absolute trade I can see is George Hill. Uh, from there, I'm pretty confident that you're going to move Mascala. You'd like to move Ariza and Miller. Can you do it? And then with Horford, I don't see a pathway to move on from Al Horford before uh, this offseason. I just think that while he will play himself into a asset and he'll play himself into a hot commodity, look, if you could just simply transport him to a team, if you could put Al Horford on the, on the Raptors right now and make him their starting big man, that'd be a heck of a team at that point. They'd kind of re regain the paint protection and the paint performance that they've lost, and they're now trying to supplement that with Aaron Baines and, and Alex Lynn, which is not going very well. Al Horford could help the Raptors, but how do you how do you get Al Horford to the Raptors, match the salaries for a realistic package in return for Oklahoma City? Uh, not doing too much for Oklahoma City and all that good stuff. It's too hard. It's too hard to move Horford. So I think that the list right now, for me, is you're going to see Hill gone, you're going to see Muscala gone, hopefully uh, Ariza and Miller as well. Now, you did ask a very interesting question, which I don't think that people are talking about enough in Oklahoma City, and it's about this upcoming free agency class, and it's about this upcoming upcoming restricted free agency class. But I do want to tell you first about our good friends over at betonline.ag. Betonline.ag is a phenomenal website. Are you ready for some football? College football is heading into bowl season. Oklahoma State got a huge bowl win. Oklahoma got a huge bowl win. And we still have the college football playoff coming up. 
So you can bet on that action. You can bet on the NFL. You can bet on college hoops and you can bet on the NBA. There's one place that has you covered. There's one place that we trust. It is betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account and use our promo code locked on at betonline.ag and get a 50% welcome bonus. We will talk later in this show the way that I'm going to bet on the Thunder Pelicans game tonight, and you can check that out at betonline.ag and use our promo code locked on. You're going to get a 50% welcome bonus your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportbook experts. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Do not forget to use the promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus at betonline.ag. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. I want to tell you right now to go check out Locked On Bets. Betting on the NBA does not have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks and quick-hitting betting advice for the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to Locked on Bets Podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. They're sponsored as well by betonline.ag. I want to talk now about more of these Reddit questions, specifically this question from Deej Pro 11 They ask, if Oklahoma City had to give an offer sheet to a restricted free agent this offseason, who would you offer one to? Lori Markinen, Lonzo Ball, uh, John Collins, or someone else? This is interesting to me. This is something that I don't think a lot of people are talking about. This is something I find very realistic for this team because Oklahoma City this offseason, especially if you agree like I think in that Al Horford is movable, this team will have a ton of cap flexibility, a ton of room to move around in free agency, and they can be that team that stirs up trouble. They can be that team that offers... Laurie market in a max contract and dares the Bulls to match it. For example, you know, it's one of those things where do the Bulls really want to pay Laurie Marketing? Do they really want to do it? Well, now you're going to be forced to or you lose the asset for nothing. A better example of this is John Collins. If the Hawks hold on to John Collins all year long, who just dropped 30 points tonight, if they hold on to John Collins all year long and he gets to free agency and the Thunder throw him a max contract and the Hawks are on the fence about, is he really worth a max? We've we've shelled out all this money to all these other players. Can we really give John Collins the max? They can make for tough decisions for other front offices. And if those front offices look at John Collins and, and want to move on from him, you know, for nothing, then that's a tough pill to swallow for Atlanta. And you gain one John Collins. I think that the Thunder could very well offer a huge offer sheet to a lot of restricted free agents and make and make other teams make the tough call, make the tough decision. Because you have to pay somebody, you have to fill out a roster, and while it could be an overpay for others to get John Collins on a max deal, for Oklahoma City that looks at a clean cap sheet, they might say, well, you know, that's the price of doing business in a small market. 
They could also say, well, John Collins is not very good in the sense of he's not a good max player. So why if, why if Atlanta does not want to give him the max, why would we give him the max? They could look at it that way as well. But there is a, a realm here where Oklahoma City can get in on the, on the restricted free agent market. If I had to rank my top restricted free agents for the free agency class of 2021, even though we just finished the free agency class of 2020 two weeks ago, I would say it is John Collins, number one. Uh, and then Lori Marketing, number two. And this is, keep in mind, for the Thunder, not for the entire NBA. And then number three, Devontae Graham. I think it's going to be a lot harder to grab a guard for Oklahoma City and free agency. Again, this is assuming that you throw a big enough restricted free agent sheet at these players to actually get them and, and have their team not match for them. I think it's going to be very hard for Oklahoma City to grab a guard in the sense of you've got Shea, you got Dort, who can, you know, Dort is kind of a, a miscellaneous player, but you've got Dort who can kind of bounce everywhere, but you kind of want to keep him at that two guard, I think, personally. And then hopefully you draft Cade Cunningham, who is going to be this tall, this tall, lengthy guard like Shea. So you have a very tall guard lineup, but you still have a guard and heavy lineup. So where if you got Devontae Graham, at that point you have Devontae at the one, Shea at the two, Cade at the three, Dort on the bench, and like it's just kind of a weird setup because I don't think you'd pay Devontae Graham to put him on the bench. It's just a weird situation if you grab another guard and get the draft class that you want. Which, for the Thunder, free agency will happen post-lottery and post-draft where you know exactly what you got in the draft before you make that decision. So things can change. Absolutely. But for me, I'd like to see John Collins in Oklahoma City. That'd be kind of fun. But at what cost, right? There's a reason the Hawks are not beating down the door to sign John Collins. Now, would I give him a max contract in free agency? It goes back to the point of, number one, you got to sign someone. You've got to fill out a roster, and you have to meet the salary floor. Number two, it's not like you're tying up money, and then you're going to lose out on LeBron James or someone like that. They're not going to sign in Oklahoma City anyway. And number three, I think it'd be a pretty good fit in Oklahoma City, John Collins would. So I like John Collins. If I had to give one to, to one of your list, Deej Pro 11, I'd give it to John Collins. Now, this next question is from PK120. They asked, uh, where do you see Ty Jerome in the rotation? Uh, and for that question... It's interesting, right, because he hasn't got to play yet, not even the preseason, he's been hurt. But I think that he'll be an off-ball guard. I think that you'll see a lineup that has Teo, Jerome, Diallo at the three, you know, and Jerome with the two and Teo with the one. I think that that's kind of where you're going to see your bench rotation shift into whenever he is back. Uh, so that's where I have Ty Jerome right now. We'll see what happens whenever he gets back from that left ankle sprain, which we'll give you an update on coming up. But you also ask, is there any possibility Sam Presti decides not to trade George Hill, Al Horford. Similarly to last year, what would the record have to be to make that happen? Listen, I don't think that that's possible. And and you have to remember, right? Take yourself back to last year. This team was one of the best teams in the NBA since Christmas, one of the best teams in the NBA since Thanksgiving, one of the best teams in the NBA since New Year's Eve, right? You can move it to any benchmark you want to, and at each benchmark there, they were one of the best teams in the NBA. If, it, if not be for that slow start, then they would have had a much higher seed than they did. And they still had the fifth seed. Right, that team was really good, and it had potential to be even better. It overachieved greatly. It was a fun team, and I'm glad that we got to see that team through, right? But you have to remember, to your question about Sam Presti deciding not to trade George Hill or Al Horford, number one, I don't think that Horford can get moved. But besides that, looking at George Hill, even as George Hill performs very well for this team, and even as I think that if George Hill played against the Magic, this team would be 2-1, and one, beyond all of that, right, 
Sam Presti still traded Gallinari last year. Like, we forget that. Like, we always look at this and say, well, last year's team, you know, impressed Sam Presti enough, and they, and they didn't make any moves last year. That's, and that's not exactly how it went, right? <laughs> Sam Presti had a deal lined up to, to ship Gallinari to Miami. And at that point, the team's totally different. But Miami couldn't work out a contract extension with Gallinari. So if Miami can would have known that Giannis is going to sign the extension and they would have signed an agreement with Gallinari, he is dealt at the deadline, even for as good as you were last year at the trade deadline. And I think that this team is not in the business anymore of kicking the can down the road. They've done that. They, they've kicked the can as far down the road as they can. It's time now for a rebuild. And as I've said all along, which I don't understand why some people are surprised by this, this team is not too good to tank but they're too good to get blown out night in and night out. You're going to lose. You're going to be one and two, but the way you get to one and two is not the process Sixers. It's just not. You're not going to get blown out and just blasted on for 72 games. You're going to be in the fight, and it's going to be fun, and you're going to want to watch this team. I'm excited to watch a one and two basketball team tonight. That's a credit to Sam Presti, but I don't see a way for them to improve on that. In the sense of improving that enough to not Trey George Hill, specifically. We have got questions on Alexei Pukashevsky, the bench unit, and we've got a question about James Harden as well. We've also got an entire preview to do about the New Year's Eve game against the New Orleans Pelicans, including injury updates, comments from Mark Degna and Shea Giddes-Alexander about the return of Steven Adams, and fun facts. That and much more on the Locked On Thunder podcast coming up. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Stiles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Stiles. When this podcast is over, go check out Locked On Fantasy Basketball. When you need fantasy basketball advice, it is important that you have a reliable source. And more people trust Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, than any other fantasy basketball podcast in the world. It's the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. Subscribe to Locked On Fantasy Basketball wherever you get your podcast from listen to them when this show is over if you're in the locked on thunder fantasy league go check them out go check josh lloyd out and he'll let you know how to beat me not very hard but i want to talk now about these reddit questions and this next one is about alexei pukashevsky and the question is very interesting to me this comes from again pk120 is boku ahead of schedule despite the shooting struggle poku has crashed the boards he's tried to disrupt uh, be a disruptor on defense and he has started to make better passes uh, i think that your points are valid. The question is good. I think that this question, the answer is going to be different for everyone, right? Because if you've listened to the show before, you know that I've been in, in the camp of, listen, Poku's going to play, and he's going to play for the Thunder this year. At the time of the draft, a lot of people question that. So for the people who question that, they're going to give you a resounding yes. For me, you see, I had a schedule. I'm going to say no in the sense of playing, like actually playing basketball, but for the points you mentioned, partly, yes, he's had a schedule because of how fast he's learning, right? There's a noticeable difference in 
the San Antonio game where he is just flaring his arms like he's drowning in the deep blue sea every time he's on offense looking for the basketball. There's a noticeable difference in that than what he did against the Magic on Tuesday, right? There's a big difference. There's a big difference to me in his passing game. I mean, he's not just grazing the ball and shooting it up immediately. He's trying to make swing passes. He's making good pick and roll decisions. He's catching on to the details a little bit more than I thought he would at this point in, in, in this point in time. You have to remember, this guy's basically gone from playing at the YMCA to the NBA, right? This is not someone who got to play at Kansas or Duke or North Carolina. This is not someone who even, like Josh Hall, went from the AAU circuit to the NBA. This is not somebody who has dealt with high levels of competition. So on top of not dealing with high level of competition and being behind physically with his frame... The strides he's the, the strides he's made so far are pretty impressive, and Mark talks about that a lot. So credit to Poku; he's had a schedule in that capacity. Playing time, not so much. And I think that he's kind of right where he needs to be, especially with the way this team is constructed. Now, you ask a question about the bench unit: Should you be concerned about the amount of lookoffs from the bench? Like mentioning the fact that you know every time that they get a rebound, these guys are going like Hammy, Poku, Maldon. They're all trying to bring the ball to the floor. They're all trying to be the floor general. They're all trying to get the offense set. And to that I say no. This is exactly what Oklahoma City wants to do. This is their style of play now. You mentioned, you know, there's no Chris Paul, there's no Russell Westbrook. For the second unit especially, there's not. But you know, they're not trying to play ISO ball anymore. They're not trying to have one floor general. They want to have a team where all five guys can bring the ball to the floor competently to where Shea can still utilize his off-ball skills. Even as the lead point guard, even as the floor general, he can still utilize that That and thrive on that the way he did a year ago. This is what they want to do, and this is the bigger picture here. There is no more ISO, your turn, my turn. There's no more one point guard. Whenever these guys get a rebound, they're going the other way, and it's something I've praised Baisley for, and I've talked about how good this is for this offense. You have to envision, though, that this is what they're trying to do, and they're accomplishing it in the sense of Hammy is grabbing and going, Hammy is getting the rebound and going down the floor as is poking mouth on. Eventually, you're going to see better players doing this, right? Eventually, the team will improve. And as the team improves and you're still running this style of offense, your offense continues to get better and better and better. So do not be concerned. This is the game plan. It's not Hammy being selfish or Poku being selfish or Maldon being selfish. They're not looking off each other in the negative sense. They're just trying to go pace and space. It's a different It's a different brand of basketball. I get it. We have not seen that in Oklahoma City. But rest assured, they're doing exactly what they want to do and, and, and being the team they want to be, they just need better players to do it, sadly. Uh, but you also ask, what are the chances that the Rockets trading James Harden directly uh, benefits Oklahoma City? I think that it's a 100% chance. Uh, you mentioned a good point here that I've talked about before. The Heat and Sixers, to, to trade for them, they might need to move the pick protections for Oklahoma City. Uh, that's a good point. I will say, though, as the days go on, it seems less and less likely that the Rockets get back a return to really match James Harden's ability, especially for this immediate year. And if that doesn't happen and the Rockets end up with, say, pick six and it goes to Oklahoma City and you get pick one, you're living high on the horse here. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and if, if the Rockets end up with pick six and you lose the lottery and fall to pick three or pick four, can you package four and six and a future first-round pick for Kate Cunningham? Would a team actually say no to that? In a draft class that's viewed as very deep. In a draft class that's viewed as seven franchise players deep. I mean, remember, Luka Doncic, he was traded for. 
He fell below DeAndre Ayton and fell below Marvin Bagley. Teams talked themselves into that. Could you see a team talking themselves into Jalen Suggs at number one and not going for Kid Cunningham? And then all of a sudden you're trading, you're trading three and six for Kid Cunningham? Who knows? But I think that you're absolutely going to benefit from the Rockets trading James Harden. Now, let's talk about this New Year's Eve game. The Thunder continue their tradition of playing on New Year's Eve. They have the most wins on New Year's Eve, tied with Houston since 2008. Their record is 10-2 and on New Year's Eve. They are 24-15 and all-time against New Orleans since 2008, uh, whenever they moved to Oklahoma City. Last year, Shea averaged 20.3 points per game, 4.3 rebounds per game, and 3.5 assists per game against the Pelicans. And then, of course, the big one, Steven Adams, is returning to Bricktown. Let's hear what Mark Dagnott had to say about Steven Adams returning to Oklahoma City today. It'll be great to have him back. You know, we talk um, with our players, you know, in a short period of time, um, I think this logo has, you know, gained a lot of meaning in the NBA, globally, and certainly in the local community. You know, people associate uh, really positive things on and off the court with our logo. And there's no bigger reason for that than the players that have played here. And Steven is uh, an embodiment of our organization in a lot of different ways. His personality, his competitiveness. Uh, I think Sam's called him a block and tackle player before. Um, and so, you know, as new guys put the uniform on, the uniform has meaning to them. And a large part of that is players like Steven. And so we'll welcome him back with open arms and then uh, hopefully give him nothing easy on Thursday night. And Coach right there talked about the logo the Oklahoma City logo meaning something. And that is pretty cool that a place like Oklahoma City can have that brand nationally, globally. I think it's right. I think it's just awesome. I really do. I want to let you hear from Shay. What did Shay have to say about Steven Adams returning to Oklahoma City? Yeah, um, I will be crashing the board a little bit less with Steve-O down there. <laughs> no, I'm playing. Um, yeah, it'll be different. Um not too many times I've, I've seen Steve-O on the defensive end guarding me. Um, even in practice last year, we were usually on the same team. Um, but, yeah, it'll be different. It'll be weird. Um, but in this NBA, it's, it's happened to me a few times now, so it won't be too crazy. So there's what Coach and Shea had to say about Steven Adams returning to Oklahoma City. I want to run through what to watch for in this one. Number one, how does Shea go up against Steven Adams? He's talked about it before. Uh, you heard it right there. He did not get to practice very much last year against Steven Adams. They were not on the opposite team very much. So getting to see Shea's play style, which is, is mainly living in the paint, against a really good defender in Steven Adams, that's going to be an interesting battle to follow all year long. Now, on the flip side of that coin... The Pelicans have not been very good defensively without Steven Adams on the floor. So when Adams is off the floor, can Shea really get going and really heat up? And the Thunder have to exploit that. When Adams is off the floor, your offense has to be clicking. That is the time to take advantage of the Pelicans' defense. Another thing to watch for is Lou Dort against Brandon Ingram. I would imagine that's going to be his assignment. And how does he stack up against a long, lengthy shooter that can just go over the top of you? How does he disrupt Brandon Ingram? Now, a big question is how you defend Zion. Because on the minutes where Zion and Steven Adams are on the floor together, if you put Al Horford on Zion, who defends Steven Adams? You're going to have to have Al Horford on Steven Adams. And at that point, you're left with Darius Baisley going up against Zion Williamson. Physically, I just wonder how that will go for Darius Baisley. And the last thing to watch for is does Isaiah Roby actually get minutes in this game? Does he or has he played his way into the rotation even with 
Horford, and Hill back in action. Ty Jerome right now, the only Thunder player that's out. Of course, Trevor Rees is not with the team, but he doesn't really count. But Ty Jerome is the only player out with an injury as of now. Of course, no Trevor Ariza either, but that is implied. Ty Jerome's out. Right now, the only player missing and the only player on that injury report is Ty Jerome. We'll see another injury report at 12.30, so check on Twitter at Ryland underscore Stiles for that. And then, of course, Mark Dignott will update the media around 5.15 tomorrow. The bet of the game from our good friends over at BetOnline.ag. I've got Oklahoma City plus 5.5 in this game. A little risky. I wouldn't blame you for taking Pelicans minus 5.5, but I've got Oklahoma City plus 5.5. The Moneyball pick, I have been 0 for so far on the Moneyball pick. I have not gotten one right. I have to get on the right side of this column. And the Moneyball pick is who has the most made threes for Oklahoma City each game. I have been wrong every single time. And I am taking Shea. I think that Shea will have a breakout game uh, from beyond the arc in this one. And he will lead the team in three-point shooting. As always, let me know your bet of the game and let me know your Moneyball pick of the game on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. We will see you tomorrow for the first episode of Locked on Thunder in 2021, recapping the New Orleans Pelicans game. Go check out Locked on Pelicans. Go check out Locked on Bets and Locked on Fantasy Basketball. I've got your whole day outlined for you in podcast form. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Locked on Thunder. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.